Thank you for listening to Noobs and Dragons. If you'd like to listen to more of LPJ and Sphinx, make sure to check out Last Action Podcast, where they discuss action movies. If you're looking for more Matric, check out twitch.tv slash matriconstage. That's M-A-T-R-I-K. You can also check out his work on YouTube, and that's Matric on Stage there as well. For more of myself... Craig WK, you can listen to podcasts like The Legend of Retro and Noiseland Arcade. If you're interested in supporting Noobs and Dragons, you can go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, where you can pay $5 a month for access to Behind the DM Screen, our behind-the-scenes monthly special. This show wouldn't be possible without our patron support. Thank you. Welcome to a very special episode of Noobs and Dragons. Uh, as we return to season two proper, having uh, finished up the intermission, uh, we're gonna, you know, get back into the giant mystery that is season two in the city of Rayburn Falls. Uh, but before that, because it's been so long, and I didn't want everyone to have to uh, listen through, you know, season two all over again just to feel like they had to know what was going on uh though that actually could be helpful uh instead uh what i'm doing uh craig wk your dungeon master uh is i'm just giving kind of a, a refresher on all the kind of major clues and events that happened throughout season two uh which takes place within the span of 13 days that is it so far. Season 2 has only taken place uh, within 13 days. But oh boy, each day has a lot going on. So uh, I'm going to give you all the kind of important highlights, clues, uh, you know, important people, things like that, uh, that should be important for jumping back into, you know, Season 2 so that you didn't have to listen to everything all over again, though... I'm kind of glossing over some things here and there, so, you know, it's quite a bit more enjoyable to, to listen to it, I should say. Uh, but let's go ahead and begin. So, the adventure starts with three individuals uh, meeting for the first time uh, at this, uh, you know, kind of meeting, essentially. Uh, you have Hannibal Demonbreaker. Uh, dragging along his man-at-arms Maxwell Steelbreeze. He's a uh, half-elf fighter. You have Alice Rose, who is a high-elf rogue. And then you have Thelonious, a uh, dragonborn sorcerer. The three of them don't really seem too keen on diving into their, you know, histories. But they have uh, uh, met up with Verna L. Citrinefall uh, in order to discuss a job that's being given. Apparently, uh, disappearances have been happening throughout the city, and some people are thinking that it is a monster. You know, they're not really entirely sure. Uh, so, 
let's go ahead and just dive right in here. So uh, they met Verna Elsa Treenfall. Uh, they found out about the disappearances of the city. One uh, or the first was someone from the Collegiate District. Uh, the next was one of the counselor's aides, uh, a counselor's aides. They didn't learn who. Uh, they learned that Verna L. Citrinefall, who is a wood elf, uh, her sister is visiting. Uh, she came, apparently came into, under some illness, uh, and was brought into Rayburn Falls. Uh, they learned about a bloody footprint, uh, that was left behind at one of the scenes of the crime. Uh, the group met Orvalt Stonepike, who is a, uh, 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 dwarf who is sort of the, you know, sheriff of the town. Uh, the group met Iser's Thundertusk, a, uh, half-orc who runs the Red Gorgon Saloon. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Julia Galestar saw a monster. Uh, there was a disappearance, you know that happened and she saw a monster the group at this point you know doesn't know how true that is so they want to go investigate uh they arrive at the red gorgon saloon and uh well actually no on the way to the red gorgon saloon let's see if i can't break this down a little better uh they stop by uh pain imports and uh meet gaius pain they learn about rumors that the bloodbane family is apparently in the city uh at the Red Gorgon Saloon, they uh, uh, find out that Julia Galestar has not shown up to work. Uh, they meet a uh, human by the name of Reginald at the sheriff's office. Uh, just a random uh, uh, grunt on the uh, force. Uh, they f uh, find out that... Uh, I'm sorry, before they go to the sheriff's office getting my order here mixed up they uh go to julia galestar's home and find out that she is not there uh looks like she is m-i-a uh place is locked up and she's nowhere to be seen then they met reginald at the sheriff's office then they made uh met fritz barriel uh fritz barriel is a uh stout halfling who runs the mertiel alberge apparently it was purchased by his family about 50 years ago I uh, got it on the cheap somehow, but uh, he's been running it as an inn for eh, maybe about 10 years now. So he's been in the city for a bit, uh, though he keeps his nose out of politics and stuff. He's, you know, lives in the uh, uh, old residential district here and flies under the radar mostly. Uh, the Citrine Fall family apparently knows the Barreal family. They go back some ways. Uh, in the uh, Dragon District, they met Zax. Uh, they learned about the exodus of the dragonborn uh, of the city and the uh, War of the Flowers that had happened about 50 years before, uh, how the dragonborn were sort of looking for a home. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, the group at this point is traveling at night, uh, and so late at night they find uh, uh, that, you know, Kind of weird things are going down at the uh, graveyard. They go to the Raspith uh, Mausoleum. And uh, at the grave, they find out that it seems like someone's been getting up to no good. Uh, in the mausoleum, they find a flesh golem without a brain. Pretty important. Uh, and they also uncover a letter 
sent by Laszlo to Captain Grigor Grotzer, requesting the brain of Emphysema Bloodbane. In exchange, uh, this person, Laszlo, will grant information on Botulism Bloodbane. They also found some necromancy books. Uh, The group stumbles upon Grigor Grotzer, an old, old human, who's arguing with a larva mage uh, known as Raspith, uh, who's in league with a lord of madness. Uh, the larva mage uh, is destroyed, but not before it kills Grotzer. And in his last breaths, he says, I merely sought knowledge in the city of endless night. That all happened on day one. Day two. So uh, they learned about the night of death from 50 years ago. The night of death was when uh, a few simultaneous events occurred, uh, causing a lot of pandemonium in the city. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the counselors of the city was revealed to be in league with a Lord of Madness. He was dragged out into the street by adventurers and executed. And meanwhile, the green dragon known as Botulism Bloodbane... Uh, stormed the uh, Rayburn Magic Academy and made off with necromantic artifacts, uh, thus sort of solidifying people's minds in the city that, uh, you know, Lords of Madness are bad, necromancy's bad. What are you going to do? Thelonious meets with his brother, Thucydides, and we learn that Thelonious and his brother Thucydides are members of the Bloodbane family. Uh, he, apparently Thucydides is checking things out in the city, uh, but the Bloodbanes have put in an order to avoid Rayburn Falls. Also, Thucydides has never heard of Emphysema Bloodbane. Seems kind of odd. Uh, he says, though, the city of Endless Night is familiar for some reason. He'll look into it. Uh, the group goes to talk to Orval, uh, Stonepike, uh, learn that Grigor Grotzer was a captain in the League of Infernus. Uh, who's obsessed with death. Uh, Orvald apparently spent some time as a mercenary in the same company, the League of Infernus. Should be concerning, but anyway, uh, the... uh, Oh, uh, the group uh, requests that Altarius Brightmore, uh, a priest, uh, to purify Raspith Mausoleum. Uh, Or perhaps that was Orvald. Anyway, uh, they then met Cassius Payne, uh, who is running for the governor to replace Governor Thanemore. Uh, Cassius Payne is a tiefling. Uh, Thanemore is a dwarf. Uh, let's see. Uh, while Gaius goes into the back of the Payne imports, uh, an order is found with the Bloodbane name. Uh, apparently, Morn Ballantine is requesting weapons. Uh, seems rather odd. I... Uh, the group then uh, headed into the Magic, uh, or the Collegiate District, where the Magic Academy is. They met Kyrez uh, at a magical ink store and scared him with necromancy books and then threatened him. Which, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, they went to the library for info on the disappearances uh, and necromancy. Uh, who, you know, uh, uh... Recommends they contact uh, the town guard. Uh, they won't find necromancy information there. The town guard attempts to arrest the group. Uh, after arguing, Orvalt arrives and takes the necromancy books and warns the group, Hey, 
uh, don't go threatening town guards. Uh, that's super illegal. I, you know, the group learns some more about the night of death and how Botchels and Bloodbane stole all those artifacts. I, the group then learns that Thelonious is a Bloodbane. I, the group goes to the Dragon District to meet Morn Ballantine to ask about this weird order, uh, and they learn that uh, uh, Morn Ballantine does hate the League of Infernus. Uh, you know, in the War of the Flowers, that mercenary army, the League of Infernus, was battling against the dragon armies. Uh, but uh, he really, he knows of Grigor Grotzer, uh, but he doesn't really appreciate the Bloodbane family. He's he's not too keen on, uh, you know, what they're all about. Dragon National Socialism just isn't doing it for him. Uh, he's running for governor. He doesn't trust Cassius Payne. Uh, he claims that the order for weapons was counterfeit, and the, the group... You know, seems to believe him. They they roll, you know, insight and uh, succeed, and he is telling the truth. I, I guess I have to add the best they can tell, but yes, he seems to not be a fan of the Bloodbane family. Uh, he also kind of dives into the origins of the Tieflings and the Dragonborn, uh, and the fact that they kind of were at odds with each other during the, the you know, the War of the Flowers long, long ago. Uh... The War of the Flowers 50 years ago is really more of like the second War of the Flowers. Uh, they, you know, the the White Rose Empire and the Black Lily Kingdom had been at odds for a very long time. Uh, let's see. Uh, Verna visits the Mertilau Berge uh, and uh, thanks the group for all of their help. Uh, she's researched a few places for them uh, of interest, uh, saying that the sewers of South Strakhelm River... And the lunar, lunar, Luna Solar Sanitarium uh, are, you know, something that they should probably check out. Verna feels that Morn Ballantine's a pretty noble guy. Uh, Verna's also running for governor. Uh, Verna feels that Cassius Payne holds a monopoly in Rayburn Falls. Uh, and, you know, thinks that she uh, has a grudge against the other uh, counselors. Uh, Verna says that uh, she really loves the Mertil Auberge. Uh, she really appreciates the place. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, uh, the group then finds out about the disappearance of K-Ball Cafuddle in the Collegiate District. Uh, the counselor of uh, that district uh, has gone missing, and the only witness is K-Ball's adopted apprentice, Vivian, a human he adopted two years ago. He was about 16. The group uh, then gets into uh, a carriage, uh, heads across town. They meet Jeremias, uh, who they make peace with after all the arguing that, you know, had happened at the library with the town guard before. Uh, they learn that Kibo Freedom Peak is the current principal of the Rayburn Magic Academy. Uh, when they get there, uh, Orvalt lets them know that Kibo wasn't all that concerned. Uh, Kibo heard noises, but after a while he came to say goodbye, got the keys to unlock the door, and, you know... The scene had bloodstains, window open, vault, uh, let's see, uh, the vault door was uh, closed at that time. Uh, Vivian herself is tall, uh, is wearing a silver circlet, and she seems to have a knot on the back of her head. When they uh, checked the back of her head, it was real hard. Uh, Kibo Freedom Peak is arrogant, desperate for power. Uh, the keys... Uh, uh, 
are locked in a safe in his office. Uh, so it doesn't seem like anyone else could have really gotten in very easy. Uh, K-Ball came with Vivian around lunch to teach her illusion magic. Uh, Kibo is taking over as counselor per the town uh, uh, sort of, you know, the collegiate district's rules. K-Ball Kefuddle learned under a... Oh, uh, K-Ball Kefuddle is a uh, gnome who learned under another gnome uh, named Gada Davida, a really prominent uh, wizard. Uh, when they finally talk to Vivian, uh, she says something hit her in the back of the head. She heard the crunching sound. I uh, had been learning illusion magic earlier. Uh, says she does not want to go into the city's care. She has a friend she can stay with, apparently. But... She says that she there is a pair of black boots in the vault. Uh, as far as that goes, she wants them back because apparently there are a uh, memento from her time in the orphanage. She says that she'll give the group the rest of the magic items in the uh, 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 you know vault if they're willing to give her that memento. The group obliges. Uh, she says that she'll tell Orvault. Uh, about it. But the group doesn't pay attention, and they should have noticed that she did not bring it up to him. Because uh, she was near him as they were leaving. Uh, she goes into the custody of the group, despite her, you know, desires. Uh, as the group's leaving, they find out that uh, uh, Kibo is magically reaching out to a gentleman by the name of Elizontalus Everwinner, and convinces him convinces him to come to the city to become the new principal. Uh, Alizontalus Everwinter once taught at Rayburn Magical Academy and was Kibo Freedom Peak's teacher. Uh, Kibo Freedom Peak is a, uh, a half-elf. Uh, apparently, Everwinter's son died in an alchemical accident some years before. Alice gets noticeably nervous. The group then meets Madam Wendy, a diviner who knows the Identify ritual, uh, they spoke with, uh, as they were heading across town to the Merchant District, they spoke with Gaius Payne, learned that the disappearances in sewers of St South Strakeln River, uh, were from a monster tribe. Uh, the, they spoke with Maxwell Steelbreeze at the Mertiel Auberge, who learned that Longinus Payne, uh, was backing Cassius Payne, uh, but apparently wasn't too happy about it. Uh, they learned that Abraham Goldbeard is the counselor of the Church District and old friends with Governor Thanemore. Uh, and though Governor Thanemore is endorsing, uh, Goldbeard, apparently he's not too keen on being the next governor. Uh, they spoke with Fritz and learned that his family doesn't really visit too often to the city. Wonder why. Day three. Uh, on day three, uh, after they sent Vivian to bed, they found that the window was open. Uh, after opening the door to Vivian's room, they found it empty as if nobody had stayed there. Traces of magic remain, uh, and there is a footprint on the window that still has a claw mark. Uh, and I believe the hint of magic there was illusion magic. Okay, so, uh, they heard, uh, Kibo Freedom Peak talking with Elizondel's Everwinner, uh, who was concerned about the death of K-Ball Kefuddle. Uh, they go to the, uh, you know, collegiate district to visit with, uh, Kefuddle. 
or uh, to visit with Freedom Peak, I should say. Kefuddle is quite dead at this point. Uh, Hannibal and Thelonious uh, meet with Alizontal's Everwinter and learn that he taught uh, uh, at the academy with uh, K-Ball. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alizontal stated that he had two apprentices who went missing uh, after an accident. He left the academy when he took uh, a wife who was uh, much older than him. Uh, who's now since passed away. Uh, they spoke with Kibo Freedom Peak and learned that K, uh, Kefuddle's, uh, uh, learned of K-Ball uh, Kefuddle's address and that Vivian wasn't that tall and apparently didn't really have many friends. Uh, which is odd because uh, she seemed rather tall and, uh, I, you know, she claimed to have a friend that she could stay with. They went to Kefuddle's home uh, and found a portrait showing Vivian as much shorter. Uh, orphanage records show that she was uh, not left with black metal boots. Uh, in a cellar, the group found Vivian's spellbook referencing the disguise self-spell. Uh, back at home, they meet with uh, Maxwell Steelbreeze, uh, who did some research. Vivian was adopted about 10 years ago, uh, had no boots. Uh, Abraham Goldbeard runs the orphanage in town, but laws in place prevent children from being sold to, to slavers. Uh, that's a probably a more important reference than the group realized, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, no matter. Uh, heard a uh, uh, merchant conversation about how they had been kind of screwed over in Obsidian Town. Uh uh, family that was supposed to protect uh, Obsidian family apparently messed up. Uh, Hannibal is visibly uh, on edge. The group then goes to the Lunar Lunasolar Sanitarium. Uh, they encounter a carry-on crawler that implies that Hannibal was connected to Obsidian Town. I. Uh, in an office, uh, there's paperwork showing that around 75 years ago that rich people stopped coming and instead the poor and orphans were picked up uh, in a, for a particular project. Apparently, this was a place for well-to-do people, but that changed over time. Uh, there's correspondence with Prince Lion, the counselor who was executed on the night of death. Documents show that he was warning the doctor of the asylum that, uh, that the corner of the city was a green dragon and a necromancer. Uh, the doctor's name is Redacted. It's not showing for some reason. Before leaving the office, they hear a creepy voice uh, saying that the project is proceeding as planned. When they turn around, uh, there is nobody there. Uh, the group finds three doors, each of which has their own name. Uh, in Alice's, uh, there's an old Alchemal lab, uh, which belonged to Alizontalus Everwinter, her previous teacher. Uh, Hannibal's door led to a ruined castle, uh, which had dead humans piled up. It was the family of the Obsidians. Thelonious's door led to a boat, which was on fire. Dead dragonborn, citizens and soldiers alike, were, uh, from the Bloodbane family. Uh, spooky bit of reflection there. Uh, they then found a door in the asylum, uh, with totems and shrines devoted to Lords of Madness. Spells cast a long time ago in this room, and, uh, 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 you know, were written in deep speech. They also found torture chambers. On the fourth floor, a Grell attempted to trick the group with the body of a dwarf it had, uh, which had been dead for about six months. Uh, 
an adventurer of some sort. Uh, they met Project X319, uh, who is a draconic-looking humanoid, uh, much taller than a normal dragonborn would be, more draconic, has, has you know, dragon wings and a long tail, uh, revealed that they disguised themselves as Vivian. Uh, they were in the dark on the matter of the boots, uh, and taunts that the truth won't be found so long as X319 has the circlet that is on its head. Uh, the project admits to eating K-Ball and Vivian, uh, says that it was reborn in this city. Uh, the group attacks it, knocks off the circlet, and it thanks the group, uh, transforms into, you know, this dragon monster, and flees the scene. Flies away at incredible speed. Dead bullywugs, frog people, are uh, found, as well as a golden key with five gems. Uh, each gem corresponds to a different color of chromatic dragon. Uh, they also found a shard of the Black Pyramid on the first floor. As they were leaving, uh, let's see. They discovered the magic circlet was a circlet of domination, so it's the creature is no longer being controlled. Uh, and then Thelonious meets Kizaru Bloodbane, a kobold, who mentions that Thucydides was in trouble for having reached out to him. Uh, apparently, you know, he's gotten a slap on the wrist. He's under uh, lockdown, uh, house arrest. Uh, apparently, Zyklon is their commanding officer. Uh, he gives him a note uh, from Thucydides saying, not a city, but armor. The group realizes that this means that this is in reference to the armor of Endless Night, which references those boots. Day four. Uh, so the group uh, met Governor Thanemore, uh, who's apparently been governor for about 65 years. Uh, he doesn't know uh, of the armor of Endless Night. He knows the basics about the war. He's good friends with Abraham Goldbeard. He wants him to take over, uh, but is a bit concerned if Morn Ballantine got the position. Uh, he says that Morn Ballantine focuses too much on the Dragonborn people, though you'll notice that he's willing to pass the position off to another dwarf. Uh, they kind of sneak past Verna's office uh, to try to avoid her. Uh, they uh, spoke with Orvalt and learned that in the new residential district, a few people had died from a demon attack. There's a dead Barl Gura, uh, and uh, apparently there's a, like three magic circles. Uh, there's a lantern left behind, so whoever stayed there needed uh, you know, light to be able to see. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, the, the group did investigating to find most of that out. They weren't just told about all that. Uh, let's see, they, uh, go to speak with Kibo Freedom Peak, uh, and they, uh, uh, get promised a list of suspicious mages who might know of demon summoning. Uh, they spoke with Alizontal's Everwinner and learned the, uh, that he knows the basics of demon summoning. He, you know, could investigate those demon circles. Uh, he seems pretty well-versed in, in, you know, the sort of fiendish ways, unfortunately. Though he doesn't seem too proud of that fact. Uh, 
They easy, uh, ask Jeremiah to keep tabs on Everwinter uh, while he's researching the circles. Make sure he doesn't do anything suspicious. Uh, they met Abraham Goldbeard, uh, who is you know, kind of being hyped up by Altarius Brightmore, uh, a human protege of his. Uh, says he doesn't want to be governor so we can focus on the church district. Uh, though he tries to hide it, Goldbeard knows about the Second War of the Flowers. Says about 45 years ago, uh, he was approached by a stranger in a cloak who gave him an item and said nobody should obtain it. He was sworn to secrecy and won't reveal what it was. Uh, throughout this arguing, uh, the group intimidates Goldbeard for info, but he kicks them out. Uh, Alice convinces him, though, that he is in danger and should he, he should be careful. Uh, he says that he'll, you know, ask for more guards. They spoke with Altarius Brightmore, who revealed that Abraham Goldbeard would make a perfect governor. And that uh, Abraham was born in Strachelm, but moved to Rayburn Falls as a young man. Uh, Goldbeard was a prominent uh, was prominent in making necromancy illegal after the Night of Death occurred. Uh, let's see, they spoke with Maxwell Steelbreeze, who found that the master bedroom and office are locked on the third floor of the Mertiel Auberge. Uh, the attic is full of old furniture, uh, which he just thinks is a little weird because, you know, uh, the, the house itself is fully furnished, but there's like a full set of furniture upstairs. Uh, the group gets a little paranoid and speak with uh, Fritz's neighbor, Herman Pendlegrass, uh, who feels that the Mayor T.L. Bears is haunted, but won't elaborate. The guy is also a giant jerk. Uh, the butler of that house warns that terrible things have happened in that, uh, house before, the, uh, Mayor Teal Uh, they spoke with Mrs. Johansson, uh, an old woman on the other side of, uh, 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 Fritz, who heard rumors that something terrible happened to that house 50 years ago. They press Fritz burial on it, and he admits that the Mayor Teal was once the home of Prince Lion who had been executed on the night of death, who made a pact with some of the great old ones, you know, Lords of Madness. The furniture uh, in the attic and the study are all original. The group checked the study, uh, and the bookcase has a whole lot of books on the far realm. The being Prince Lion made a pact with was Terror Zimu, the executioner's gullet. They found a curved dagger with a mind flayer uh, head on the pommel. Uh, and notes show that he had communicated with uh, the doctor from the asylum in efforts to inflict suffering uh, on others for dark rituals. The doctor was named Ananral Sin. They thought they just heard his voice as a, you know, for a moment there. Turn around. Nothing is there. Uh, oh, and apparently Botulism Bloodbane had a laboratory in the government district. Spooky stuff. Day Five, uh, Alice uh, did some research and learned that Ananral Sin was once a human who willingly willingly went to the Far Realm, who kept a part of himself. Most anybody, any sane being that goes to the Far Realm loses their sanity. But something about Ananral Sin, he kept a little bit of himself. Uh, he's known as the Flesh of Infinity uh, and is the patron of Foulspawn. Uh, Foulspawn being creatures that have been corrupted by the Far Realm. Uh, he left the city apparently 50 years ago. 
They pass by the Merchant District, and Cassius Payne is inspecting products uh, that are coming in. She sees Thelonious, uh, tells him that Waterways once had a bullywug issue. But apparently that's not much of an issue these days. Payne's security officer uh, takes down their information, uh, reveals that bullywugs haven't been an issue for, you know, maybe a month or so. Uh, bullywugs uh, uh, used to make attacks about a day away from the city. The group then travels for about a day in the South Strakeln River sewers. On day six, as most of day five was traveling, uh, the group hears a noise and finds a bullywug, Mucklord Blorgzak, who's probably better known as Mucklord Blorgzak. Uh, who was apparently offended by Hannibal's lying and ran, uh, ran away. Apparently that's his only talent is seeing through people's lies. I uh, don't know why he has so much insight, but he does. Uh, the group then encounters demons. Bloodstained rock uh, was used for the demonic summoning circles. And apparently Blorgzak is kind of calling the shots with some of these demons. Uh, he thinks the group might be... Pantaloon thieves? Excuse me. Pantaloon thieves! Uh, they find totems uh, that aren't Bullywug related. They instead pay homage to Demon Lord Azadon, Demon Lord of Cannibalism, uh, who's been at war with other Demon Lords in a circle of the abyss called Pox Moradon. He's said to look like a Stegosaurus standing upright with a mantis head, giant claws, and blood eternally dripping from the spines on its back. Charming. Uh, let's see. Bloodstains with no bodies do match the previous disappearances in the city, which is kind of odd. They find a spawning pool uh, with a demon eating the last of the bullywug eggs. Uh, they hear shouting uh, uh, from Blorgzak welcoming a fellow lord. That's ominous. They finally find Mucklord Blorgzak standing before an indentation in the wall, uh, shouting up at someone for more assistance. One cloaked figure, along with an overweight human. And that overweight human is Murdoch Obsidian. The cloaked figure stares ominously at Alice. The Murdoch Obsidian is a giant piece of garbage. Uh, he is... Uh, the person who summoned forth demons at Obsidian Town to sort of do nasty things and gain power uh, and sort of set up the uh, Hannibal and his family and get them out of the picture. Uh, Murdoch turns on Blorgzak, though, summons forth a Barogura, which he claims is uh, a much more perfect summoning than the last one that was done in the city. And... Uh, Blorgzak has been betrayed, so Blorgzak helps the group slay a Barogura. Uh, he says that the Great Devourer ruined his tribe. Murdoch apparently arrived after the Great Devourer uh, and offered forth uh, the, you know, the power to use his people's souls as kind of currency to make demons. Uh, let's see, and the you know stained blood uh, of the you know stone where the attacks had been made by the Great Devourer. Uh, he's, uh, uh, the description of the creature matches Project X319. He says the creature stole his pantaloons. Uh-oh. 
uh, says Murdoch offered up revenge, so uh, that they you know, sacrificed the souls and the blood of the Bullywugs. Says the cloaked figure never spoke, but wasn't very frog-like. Uh, says the Great Devourer was weak at the beginning, but then ambushed his people here and there and finally gained enough strength to start slaying the remaining Bullywugs. Uh, magic circle in the this cave is a perfect summoning circle. The one in town was very imperfect. Uh, the indentation in the wall is an upside-down U-shape. Blorgzak says that's where uh, pantaloons, which were metal and black as night, were uh, kept. He says that the god of Bullywugs gave them to his grandfather. The armor of Endless Night is very likely full plate. Uh, Blorgzak says that when the Great Devourer was asked who he was, it responded that its name had changed so many times it couldn't remember it. Blorgzak says that he was lying, though. He thinks that he really knew his own name. The Great Devourer was said to be born in Rayburn Falls. Uh, Alice finds a gold skull the size of a coin, similar to the one she's had for years, a silver one. Blorgzak says the cloaked figure dropped it. The Mucklord can tell Alice has seen something similar before, uh, and she then shows the silver one. On day seven, uh, as the group is traveling back to Rayburn Falls, Hannibal has a nightmare uh, of Azadon requesting that Hannibal release him. Day eight, uh, the group leaves Blorgzak behind. Uh, they find that he's a little too evil for them, and uh, they, you know, boot him out. Uh, they tell him that, you know, if he finds anything out, to, to come track them down. Uh, when the group makes it back to Raymond Falls, they speak with Reginald at the sheriff's office and learn, uh, that, uh, there's a wanted poster for a creature called the Devil Sword for 1,000 gold. Uh, it's a monster in a forest far to the south. And Reginald hands over a note from Jeremiah, who stood watch over Principal Everwinter, said he saw nothing suspicious. Uh, they learned that, uh, he, Reginald's full name is Reginald Val Johnson. I don't know why that's important, but it is. The group visits Payne Imports. Uh, Hannibal spies on Longinus Payne and his bodyguard, overhears that he's having frustrations with Cassius uh, and having to support her for governor, uh, mentions that a fight broke out uh, at a meeting recently, one of the city's meetings, uh, and mentions that she's throwing a party for higher-ups at her place. Uh, she says that uh, at the last... Oh, uh, Cassius, as she's speaking with the rest of the group, uh, says that the, at the last counselor meeting, Morn Ballantine punched Flack Chimarazon over an argument where Flack insinuated that Morn's wife was a member of the Bloodbane family. Uh, Thelonious tales Longinus Payne, who complains about Cassius's party, says Verna and the governor will be there. Cassius tells Hannibal and Alice that Morn requested funds uh, for the Dragon District, and then Flacky Marazan said the funds would go to the Bloodbane family. Uh, she says that Morn's wife died years ago, apparently. Long time ago. Uh, mentions that each district has different rules for electing a new leader in case Morn is associated with the Bloodbanes and jailed. Uh, Thelonious continues to tail Longinus. Uh, his friends find the trail and hunt him down. Longinus goes to the Red Gorgon Saloon, meets with Flack Marazon. Drinking with him is Roscoe the Blue Falcon, O'Daskal, Juliana Blightcaller, and Norbert Tinkledink. Uh, Flack Marazon says that he ain't gonna apologize. 
Uh, Flat King Mirazan is a human adventurer. A lot of weapons on him. Roscoe the Blue Falcon is a uh, uh, stout halfling uh, merchant. Odaskal is a uh, kind of... Uh, uh, big game hunter, uh, warrior. Uh, he's a, uh, wood elf, uh, fights with a big giant repeating crossbow. Juliana Blightcaller is a half-elf mage, and Norbert Tinkledink is a, uh, forest gnome shoe cobbler. Uh, the group gets together, overhears Flat Kimarazan congratulating, uh, his, uh, teammate Odasco on killing the devil sore. Uh, the group tries to tail Longinus, uh, but Thelonious is spotted, and Longinus, you know, takes off. Uh, the group then uh, makes it back to the Mertil Alberge, and that concludes the eighth day. Now, there's still quite a few more days to go, and uh, this episode's gone on for quite a bit, so I think we're going to go ahead and uh, pause this session here, and next week... We will complete the rest of our refresher uh, on the uh, uh, kind of first part of season two. Uh, all of the big clues and events and uh, you know stuff that the group learns. Uh, hopefully this is a, a lot of help. Look forward to next week while we get into even crazier events happening in season two. And, uh, you know, the group gets closer and closer to revealing uh, kind of what's going on in uh, the city of Rayburn Falls. But uh, I think that's where we're going to go ahead and pause today's session. Thank you for listening to Noobs and Dragons. This show is brought to you by listeners like you. If you wish to support the show, go to patreon.com slash gamezillamedia. From there, you'll be able to gain excellent perks, like a behind-the-scenes show for Noobs and Dragons. We thank you for your patronage.